Well, good morning and welcome once again to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. We are just excited to have you here with us on this kind of gray and gloomy and cool, which I love, uh, Sunday morning here in Southern California. But we last week started a new series titled Hope is Here. And for those of you that were with us last Sunday, we talked about the fact that there is hope for the weary. And we talked about how we get run down and how we get tired and, and how that can affect us, not only physically and mentally, but also spiritually as well. We have been in kind of an unprecedented times for the last couple of years, and it's been really, really hard on, I think, all of us in different ways. But this, this time that we've been in has been stressful, and it's been tiring, and it's been exhausting. But the good news is we still have hope. And that hope comes in the form of Jesus Christ. And that's what this series, this four-week series that we're involved in, is all about. It's looking at stories from the Bible that remind us about the hope that we have in Jesus. Now, last week, if you were with us, we talked a lot about being weary and being tired. And we looked at the story of Elijah and how what Elijah really needed was a snack and a nap. And that God provided those things for him. And that gave him the hope that he needed to finish the work that God had had for him. Now today, we're going to talk about hope for the broken. A lot of us have been through times in our lives, or maybe you're in a time in your life right now, where you just simply felt broken. And maybe it's because of the situation that we've been in with this pandemic, or maybe it's because of issues that you're having at work, or issues that you're having in your relationships, or issues that you're having at home with your family. Whatever the case may be, we can often find ourselves feeling broken. And that can be a really tough place to find ourselves in. Because when we're broken, right, we lose our sense of self-worth. We forget who we are, and we forget, most importantly, that we are a child of God. And that's what causes us to lose our hope. So we're going to look at a story today that's probably very familiar to many of you, but about a, about a woman who was broken, and she was brought before Jesus. And we're going to look at how Jesus makes all things whole again. So our big idea for today is that there is nothing that I or you can do, right? That Jesus cannot forgive. And because we have forgiven, we should extend that same forgiveness to others. See, I'm going to say that again. There is nothing that you can do that Jesus cannot forgive you for. Now, that's not a license to go out and live the life however you want and do whatever you want and live the life for yourself but it's a great reminder that when we mess up, because we do, he's going to forgive us. And see, that is where our hope comes from. Because if Jesus hadn't gone to the cross to die for you and me, we wouldn't have that hope. Because then we'd be accountable for every mistake that we've made. But see, when we enter into that relationship with Jesus Christ, we have hope. Because he can and will forgive us. So I want you, if you would, to open your Bibles up to John chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. And again, this is probably a familiar story for a lot of you, but, but I just want us to think about some things in this story. And I want you to think about a time in your life where you maybe felt like this woman, and, and not because you were in the exact same circumstances, but I want you to think about a time in your life where you felt broken, where you felt like 
you had just gone too far, that you had made too many mistakes, that there was just no way that you could come back from that. There was no way that God could forgive you of those things. And that's what I want you to think about as you kind of put yourselves in the shoes of this woman here this morning. But let's start out in verse 1 where it says, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. It says, at dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people had gathered around him and he sat down to teach. See, Jesus had went up into the mountain to have some alone time, to have some prayer time, to have some time with God, right? And we talked about that last week of how important that is. And then he came back down and he sits down in the temple and he's going to teach. So he, he's sitting down and, you know, he's, he's got something in mind that he wants to share with folks and, and he has an agenda, right? He has an agenda that he's going to teach, but... That all changes as we go on with our story. It says the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. It says they made her stand before the group. So here's Jesus, right? And he, he's, he sat down in the temple and, and he, he has these people surrounding him and he's ready to teach. And all of a sudden the, the door flies open and here comes the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. And they're like, hey, hey, we've got this woman here and she's been caught in adultery. And we're going to see how this kind of unfolds. From here, verse 4 says, And said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Verse 5 says, In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? Now, for those of you who are familiar with this story, we know what's going on here, right? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law had set a trap for Jesus. They, they were bound and determined they were going to catch Jesus breaking the law so that they would have a reason to arrest him. So what they had done is they had, they had caught this woman in the act of adultery, and, and some speculate, right, that that was all staged. But, but either way, they, they bring this woman forward, and they're going to catch Jesus. They're going to catch him in the act, right? Because we know that Jesus' teaching is, is to forgive and, and to overlook. So they're going to bring this woman to him, and he's got to say one of two things, right? He's either got to say, don't stone her, Right? which would go against the law, which means he's now broken the law, or he's got to say, by all means, stone her to death. And now he's going against his own teaching, which was love and kindness and forgiveness. So they've put Jesus in a really difficult situation, but you know what? That's because they underestimated Jesus. See, they thought that Jesus was just a man and that they could fool him and that they could outsmart him. But as we're going to see, you can't outsmart Jesus. Verse 6 says, They were using the question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. It says, But Jesus bit down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Now, I always thought that was really interesting, that in the middle of this situation that he finds himself in, he starts writing something. Now, we don't know what he was writing. He, he might have been writing the names of these men who had brought her before him. He might have been writing a list of the things that this woman had done wrong. He might have been putting his Amazon wish list together. I don't really know what he was doing. And they don't tell us that. But it's interesting that he paused. See, that's the part we do know. He, he paused and started kind of drawing, drawing in the dust, writing in the dirt. And we don't know exactly what he was doing. But what we do know is he was probably taking the time to decide how to respond to these men. And maybe he was even praying. We don't know that, and I don't want to, I don't want to speculate that, but, but maybe he was praying. Do you ever find yourself in that situation where, where you, you, get, you get brought something that's very difficult and very challenging, and part of you wants to just make a quick decision, 
How does that usually work out for you? I don't know about you guys, but I find that's usually not the most effective way to make decisions. So, so Jesus took a minute. And he's kind, of, he's kind of writing in the dust and he's kind of drawing in the dust. Just like when you and I have a difficult situation brought to us. Hopefully we take a minute. We take pause. We take a deep breath. And we decide how to respond. Because see, human nature is always to fire back at someone. To answer someone right away. But see, Jesus is setting an example here that he took a minute. He took a pause to decide where does he go from here. Now this woman had just been exposed. She had been exposed in front of this entire group of people. She's had her sins just brought to light, so to speak. And that's a double-edged sword. It's a double-edged sword when we have our sins exposed. Because it can be part of the healing process, but it can also be extremely painful. Now, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Illinois. And it got very cold in Illinois in the winter. And one of the most exciting things that we did in the winter was, and this is before internet, is, is we would turn on the TV or the radio after a big snowstorm and we would listen intently to see if our school had been canceled. You talk about some prayers. <laughs> Please let school be canceled. I don't want to go. So, so we would watch the bottom of the screen and, you know, across the bottom of the screen would be all the schools that were, were canceled for that day. And, and we would just sit there, you know, fingers crossed, please, 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 please let my school be on there. And a lot of times it was. And I know you Californians can't relate to snow days, but snow days was one of the greatest parts about living in the Midwest. Now, there were some downsides to living in the Midwest, but we got snow days. There was nothing better than waking up in the morning and looking out the window, and it snowed a lot. So we would spend the day, like this, this youngin right here, in the snow. And we'd make snow forts, and we'd throw snowballs, and there, there was a little hill next to my house, and we would pour water on the snow to try and make it really icy and really slick. And, and we would go out, and we would, we would play on that and slide on that and get our sleds out. And, and we would just play out in the snow for hours until we literally couldn't feel our fingers anymore. And, and maybe some of you have done this. Maybe you've been to Big Bear or maybe you've traveled to, to places with a lot of snow. And, and your hands are just, just absolutely frozen to the point you can't hardly get your gloves off. So what do you do? You, you go to the fire or you go to the heater and, and you put your hands there and you start warming up your hands. And what happens when you first put your hands there? It hurts! <laughs> It burns, it tingles, it's, it's uncomfortable. But what happens is, the longer you stay there, and the more you start to get the blood flow back to your hands, and your hands start to warm up, it starts to feel really good. And it starts to feel really comforting. Because there's something about the warmth of that fire that gives you a sense of peace. And see, that's exactly what happens when our sins get exposed. When your sin gets exposed... The first thing is, you, you probably feel a little numb, just like when your hands are frozen. And then maybe you feel a little bit of pain, because you feel the shame, and you, and you feel the weight of what has just happened. But when you get that off your chest, when you get that out in the open, when you share that with someone who can help you through it, you get that warm feeling. You get that feeling like when your hands are thawing out, and it starts to feel comforting. And it starts to feel warm. And it starts to feel good. 
See, this woman has just been exposed. She, she's just been exposed in front of all of these people. And some of, some of us are saying, yeah, but she was an adulterer. Okay. We sin too. And maybe you sin differently than her. We all sin. And, and it wouldn't be a good feeling if somebody, say, here this morning, called you out on your sin in front of everyone. You probably wouldn't like that very much. And see, that's exactly how she's feeling. She's having that feeling of, I just put my hands to the fire and it hurts. And it's uncomfortable. And I can't even imagine what she's feeling at this point. Because she knows the law. The Mosaic law was very clear. Adultery equals death by stoning. So think about what was going through her head at this time. She, she just assumes that any moment now, they are going to proceed with just this just unbelievable way of putting someone to death. And if maybe you haven't, you haven't really read up on how stonings worked, they, they would have like a frame, like a triangle-shaped frame, and they would literally tie someone to that frame. And then what would happen is they would take a large rock and they would drop it on this person. And if that didn't kill them, then everybody else got to pick up a rock and they would throw rocks at them until they passed away. And that's the vision that this woman has in her head of what is about to happen to her. See, she's been exposed and she's feeling pain and she's feeling numb. Let's go ahead and continue with our story. Verse 7 says, When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. You can't outsmart Jesus. See, they thought they had given him a question that only had two answers to it. Either kill her or go against the law. That, that was the two options that Jesus had at this point. But see, Jesus knew a way around it. Jesus knew a way to help this woman and not give the Pharisees what they wanted. It says, again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. So this is that, this is that pause for dramatic effect. He says, okay, stoner, and whichever one of you is without sin, you go ahead and throw that first rock. And then Jesus stooped down again, and, and what was he writing? I don't know. Maybe grocery list? I don't know. Practicing the names of the apostles? I don't know. Something to that effect. Verse 9 says, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. Now, I love this, and if you really unpack this verse, it says the older ones first. Now, why does it say the older ones first? Was it getting close to their bedtime? Probably not. Wisdom. I think what he's saying here is the older ones who have the wisdom and have the ability to look inside themselves and realize that just like this woman, I'm a sinner too. And they dropped those rocks and they walked away. It says, until Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. See, sometimes when somebody sins, when somebody does something wrong, our first reaction is, sinner, I can't believe you did that. And see, these people had that same opportunity to do that. 
But they didn't. See, they looked at themselves. And they looked inside their own hearts and said, I may not be an adulterer, but I'm a sinner too. I may not be broken in the same way that she's broken, but I'm broken too. And one at a time, they said, you know what? I'm no better than this person. And that's a powerful lesson for us as a church. Just because somebody sins differently than we do, doesn't make them a sinner and us a saint. Let's go ahead and continue. See, the church is a place of hope. See, the church is the place we should be able to come to to warm our hands by the fire. The church is the place we should be able to come to to say, I'm broken and I need help. You know, here a while back, we, we did a lesson on not judging one another. And see, this is, this is how we have hope. Because, see, we have each other. And I should be able to come to Ray and say, Ray, this is what I'm struggling with. And know that Ray is going to say, I got your back. There's a, there's a commercial for my football fans in the crowd right now. And it says, the, the whole premise of this is it's like a call and response. And, and one guy says, who got my back? And the, the fans of that team or the fans of that player yell, we got your back. Isn't that exactly how the church should be? Who's got my back? You should have my back. Who's got your back? I've got your back. And I want you to think about that when you see that commercial this afternoon while you're watching football. Who's got your back? Well, first of all, everybody in this room has your back. And most importantly, Jesus has your back. Verse 10 says, Jesus straightened up and he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Says, no one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. See, Jesus didn't say, you're an adulterer. He said, no. He said, just like how those people didn't accuse you anymore, just like how those people didn't find you guilty, I don't find you guilty either. And he allows her to walk away. See, Jesus takes those broken pieces and he puts them back together and he makes them better than new. And only Jesus can do that. We often hear of Jesus being called the great physician. Well, it's true because he can heal you and he wants to heal you. And he can heal you today if you'll just let him. I want you to think about that and I want you to think about that story and I know this is a little bit different than what we normally do, but Brandon's actually going to lead us in a song. And I want you to just think about that passage that we've been unpacking. And I want you to put yourself in those shoes of how we can come to Jesus just as we are.
I hope that as you sang that song that you really thought about the words that we're singing. And, and this is a very powerful song because it reminds us that we come to Jesus just as we are. Because we're broken. Because we're weary. Because we need the love that only Jesus Christ can provide. And I love the way the song goes. I come and he welcomes me with open arms. See, see people tell me all the time, you know, I, I, I got to get my life right. And as soon as I do that, I'm coming back to church. I, I got to get my life right. And as soon as I get my life right, then I'm going to come to Jesus. Well, guess what? If we wait till we get our lives right, there's going to be a very empty building. But that's the beautiful part. You don't have to wait until you have your, 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 your cards all in the right places. You come to him just as you are. In your broken, weak, and sinful state. And he welcomes you with open arms. And says, I love you. And I want you. And I want you to be part of this family. See, Jesus loves me just as he is. But he loves us too much to leave us there. Because, see, he loves you in your broken, sinful state, but he loves you so much that he can't leave you there. Think about people in your life that need you, that need help. If you love them, you can't leave them there. Because if you can help them, you're going to help them. Because you love them. And, see, that's exactly what Jesus does for you and for me. I want to flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and I want to leave you with this verse it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone. The new is here. See, you're, you're, you're broken and you're hurting and your life is a train wreck. And then Jesus comes along and says, I got you. And he puts those broken pieces back together and makes them even more beautiful than they were before. There's, a, there's an art form called kintsugi, and I probably said that wrong. So some of you who are scholars can correct me on that later. But what they do is they, they take pieces of pottery, and they take bowls and cups and plates and platters and all kinds of stuff. And, and what they do is they use gold to fill the cracks. They use a precious metal to fill the cracks. And now, not only is it useful again, but it's beautiful. And it's more valuable than it was before it was broken. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. You see, Jesus takes those broken pieces and he puts gold in between them and he puts them back together and he can make you more valuable than you were when you started. The grace of God and the grace found from those with whom we fellowship is the key to our hope. See, this is a safe place. This is a place where you can come and know that you are safe and you are loved. And that's in the presence of Jesus Christ and with this body of believers that's here for you and here with you whom you can go to to find the help and the healing 
that you need. I love this quote. It says, God exposes our sin not to shame us, but to change us. That's powerful stuff. Because see, if we truly want change, then we have to get it out there. And we have to get all that stuff off of our chest. Because see, once we put it out there and we ask for help, then this amazing body of believers can come and put their arms around us and help us to get back on track and to help us to no longer live a broken life. See, we've got to offer the brokenness of your life to Christ because see, that's what he wants is he wants you to come to us. He wants you to come to him and be obedient to what he teaches because when you'll do that, you have hope and you have a hope that can never be taken away and we got to forgive others and welcome them into that hope of Jesus Christ. Jesus gave us a great example of this today with this woman who was caught in adultery. And he brought her in and he wrapped his arms around her and he said, look, it's okay. Now leave that life behind you and go forward. And you have an opportunity to do that same thing today. Maybe you've been, been leading a life much, much like the adulterer where you, you're just caught up in your sins and you just can't seem to break that cycle and to break out to be the Christ follower that you want to be. You have an opportunity today in just a few moments. Brandon's going to sing another song for us. Myself and the elders will be up here at the front. And maybe you just need to get some things off your chest. Or maybe you just need someone to talk with you and to pray with you. We would be happy to do that. Or maybe you've never had the opportunity to give your life to Christ, to be baptized for the remission of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and to no longer be broken. You have an opportunity to do that. We urge you to come forward as we stand together and as we sing. On Show your mercy and your grace.